From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in Fixed, in line, Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk to Jajeev Nithyananda, game artist at Concrete Software, to discuss user interface design. And so, if everyone's ready, let's start. Dance party. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, welcome to the clubhouse. Yay! Yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, tell us a little bit about why we brought you in here. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> please tell us why we invited you to this event. <laughs> I ask this of everybody, and it never works. <laughs> like, I mean, you guys are local, and you guys are interested in having local developers over to talk about games that are being made here in Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. So that's exactly it. I kind of qualify. Yes. <laughs> you do, in fact, qualify. Well, you, you work at Concrete Software, yes. which is one of the, you know, we're not a huge development hub here in Minneapolis. Yes. But Concrete Software is one of the uh, places that does make mobile games, console games, PC mm-hmm. games, makes a lot of the bigger titles, lots of licensed works as well. Right. Um, and you have your hand in a lot of it. So we wanted to hear about your experience there, but also specifically about the work that you do with UI design. Yeah. Okay. Right. If I'm not mistaken, you had a background in UI design before Concrete Software, or am I wrong? I did. So, uh, you know, I've been in Minnesota for quite a while. I've been here for um, over a decade. Awesome. Part of that time, I worked at Gravic, which you guys... Oh! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's Nick. I did not know that. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Run by a friend of the show, Matt Gravel, who was a guest on a previous episode about a month or two ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I love working with those guys, and uh, we go a ways back. Um, I did UI design for them, as well as some 3D stuff. Um, I used to do some 3D asset work, environments, uh, texture work, um, just kind of a whole gamut of different things related to art. Yeah. And we were a small team at Gravik, so um, I had a lot of responsibilities, but it, it all ultimately fell down to like making things look pretty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Got to be somebody's job. <laughs> <laughs> that's film, really yeah. cool yeah. yeah so um i i want to know like general like good things in ui design that people should go for so they should strive to have in their in their ui uh, do you have tips on that <laughs> what a, that's like a big question <laughs> i know yeah. it's a big question there's a lot of stuff <laughs> like maybe what, what are the maybe one of the main misconceptions what do people not know when they start working in? yeah um so you have so ui is all about presentation mm-hmm. and you know presenting something that's attractive as well as acce- accessible mm-hmm. so like you can just look at something and at a glance tell what you need to do in order to progress so it's not just you don't want to overwhelm your user with a bunch of buttons and then be with numbers and then expect them to know exactly how to navigate this interface mm-hmm. right that's not the way to do it you you want to you want to like simple big um, images <laughs> yeah. with, with understandable text yeah. Yeah. that explain what these things do and then hope that you know the user picks up on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the, so the MMO strategy of putting a bazillion screens in front of your face that, is probably not the best <laughs> idea. Well, for that genre, I'm sure there there is there are reasons for that, but um, hmm. I think starting off small and simple is the best way to go before you expose your users to the more complex uh, UIs or uh, heads-up displays. You want mm-hmm. to explain things first with something simple. It's interesting the way you describe the sort of duties you have, what 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 it needs to have for the users. Because I'm not hearing a lot of make it pretty, right? Like that seems to be. It's certainly probably what the job one is, but it's con- it's like consideration two. Yes, right. So I think I think the structure is important. Mm-hmm. First of all, you you have to get the system right. And then you dress it up really nice yeah, yeah. <laughs> for people to <laughs> stay attracted and engaged. Right, 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 right. And there's a relationship between those two, I imagine, right? Like, if you've got the organization and layout exactly how you want it, you can probably have an aesthetic that either uh, amplifies or distracts from that design pattern, right? Yes. So, depending on what kind of game or what kind of genre you're working in, mm-hmm. the, the aesthetic is always going to change. So, yeah. if, you're going, if you're doing a sci-fi game, then, you know, you want, like, Tron lights or whatnot. Uh-huh. Maybe an emphasis on, you know... Neon. I mean, colors. I don't know about you, but I always want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't care what kind of game it is. Um, or if you're doing a fantasy game, you want something a little bit more detailed and mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more polished um, and chunky looking. Something that has like weight to it. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Okay. But for, first and foremost, you want something that is going to fit the screen. You know, 
depending on how many devices you're working with. Right. That's going to change because you're diff- working with different aspect ratios and that's that you need to be flexible with yeah, those kinds yeah, of yeah. things. Right. Like, and I imagine that's a specific difficulty with like mobile devices. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's so many different kinds. I remember when I was doing I was I did QA at Concrete. Right. Uh Oh, I don't know how long that was ago. It wasn't that long ago, but um, <laughs> lifetimes ago. <laughs> yes. Um, and I remember I had to just, I tested all the games on a bunch of different devices. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there were just like UIs that just were harder to read on certain devices and things like that. And specific issues with the UI on one device over another device. And so it's, I imagine it's very difficult to design a UI that works for all of those kinds of things. Well, I mean, so what we use at Concrete, we use Unity. Mm-hmm. And the latest version of Unity has some really nice UI design tools that allow us to easily adapt between resolutions. So mm-hmm. we can oh. we can create a UI for one device and then switch over platforms. And that UI should, for the most part, stay the same in terms of like where things are placed. Okay. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about like a button Moving one from one corner of the screen to the other, right, um, right, right. Everything kind of stays in place. Yeah, you can decide this should be this many pixels here or there. Exactly. But you could also say this many pixels from the left or right. this scale or whatever. So it's it could be really intricate to design it so that it's flexible to all the things you're targeting, right? Right. Um, the only downside to that system is mm-hmm. we have to be very um, we have to keep it simple. Yeah. yeah, we can't make the UI too detailed. Otherwise, <laughs> you're going to see a lot of stretching and some oh, really sure. gnarly. Uh, graphical glitches that you wouldn't want. Mm-hmm. So, okay. have you found yourself in a situation where you had what was probably the better design, but the tools you had wouldn't let you make it as well as that? Like, is, is that is that common, or or do you, is it pretty much the tool works for you when you need it to work? Uh, for the most part, it works when I need it to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are t- you know, I'm. I would imagine this is something common between artists. Uh, like, I'm very ambitious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want, I want yeah. my stuff to look as good as possible. Yeah, right, right. Because of the limitations with a Unity UI system, you're going to have to make some compromises. Sure. It's not going to look as good as what you would want it to look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you do you find yourself ever having conflict with uh, the programmer in terms of like getting the UI to work correctly? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me about it. Oh god. Um, so, um, so I work with somebody you guys have had previously on the podcast, uh-huh. uh, Lane Davis. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're, we're very familiar with him. <laughs> Feel free to throw him under the bus. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so I'm not going to do anything that drastic, but uh, we've had our arguments. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had, we've butted heads quite a bit mm-hmm. about the way things should look and uh, how they should function. Mm-hmm. And so uh, ultimately, I usually get the. <laughs> I get the winning uh, edge. You have, you have to draw it, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the producers tend to be on the artist's side, right? Wow. The programmers, okay. <laughs> uh, most of the time, sympathy for the coders, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, coders and artists, I think, tend to think differently. Yeah, in terms of like reading information, right? And also, I'll, information flows differently through the user's perspective and through the developer's perspective. Yes. Right. And like, that's obvious. And we know, and like, it's not like programmers don't know this, totally. but it's super easy to get caught up in that kind of flow, like the logic flow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've definitely caught myself doing that a lot. That's that ultimately will bring together like some better products. If you like actually discuss things and totally. be like, Oh, this is why I want it this way. Because like, you know, it makes you think about your design, uh, and like defend it or whatever. Yeah, and, and you, there are times when Lane will have you know the upper hand. Like he, w- what he says will make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, am I able to? Should I give an example? Sure. Yeah, definitely. We were debating about um, so the golf game that we put out mm-hmm. not too long ago. Um, we'll during, put a link in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> during uh, during gameplay, you see a preview of the map of the course that you're on, and it used to be right in the center of the screen, like right above the play area, mm-hmm. the area where you interact with the ball. Um, and our publisher came back and said, we want to move this map over to the right side, the upper right side and corner of the screen. And they sent us a screenshot, a mock-up of something they did. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody in the office hated it, <laughs> including myself. Yeah. But then Lane came back saying, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then he gave the reasons. And you know, the big reason is you get to see more of the game mm-hmm. because the map is out of the way. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not in the most attractive spot, but in terms of like usability and practicality, right. it like, made sense to keep the map out of the way 
for the user to see actually see the environment that they're interacting with. Right. Like you guys were probably thinking a lot about like the screen as a, a work of art. Yes. As an entire tableau. Exactly. Whereas uh, Lane was probably considering more of the gameplay design consideration exactly. of like what part of the screen do I need to look at now mm -hmm. and how much of it. So in that instance, I think Lane was right on the money mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I had to hand it to him. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, it's like they say, like you know, two minds are not greater than one; they're like a million times greater than one. Yes. Right. So, the more people you can get eyes on something, especially when it comes to usability, totally. like the more, the better. You either the more confident you can be in your decisions, if it's an argument, um, <laughs> you, can, you have to really uh, page through why you think it's this way and examine why someone might not think that, or you can come up with something that's better than the idea either of you had, or however that works. Yeah. Right. Cool. But, cool. I like that. Um, what? How about like designing like text and icons in UI? Because um, I oftentimes will. I mean, like it's pretty clear if you put like a couple swords in the thing that probably means battle or something like that. But, <laughs> but I mean, uh, sometimes you want to like design an icon that describes whatever this game mode or option or uh, in the menu is, and it's difficult to portray that in one little icon. And I wanted to know maybe like what are some good ways to go about doing that. Um, I think. The biggest thing to keep in mind is making sure that your icon is readable okay. from a distance, mm -hmm, sure. from almost any distance, really. So in that, with that mindset, you want to keep things really simple and clean and okay. Uh, big. Okay, so um, it's not necessarily important that the icon describes what the, the thing is, as long as it's distinct and visible. Distinct, and especially from other icons. Yeah. You, know, you want it to live alongside other icons be consistent, but also have its own persona. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what I found, especially with the golf game we put out, when we put it through QA, we got a lot of feedback saying like, we don't know what these icons mean because we designed, again, the UI from an artist's viewpoint uh, and okay. uh, we didn't label quite a few of these buttons <laughs> right. these icons and mm -hmm. people were like i don't know what this means <laughs> so we ended up going back and just labeling every single single button and icon with some text underneath to tell yeah. the user this is what it, this does right and that may seem like extra but when you are navigating them you can use the icon to quickly access them without reading the text yeah but the ones you've forgotten right now the text is there for you to examine exactly and like the golf game is a pretty heavy icon like there's a lot of icons in the game, yeah. Okay. So you're not you're obviously gonna forget what certain things will mean. Mm -hmm. So you need that text, right? Right. Sure. So. I've been finding I've been playing the Switch version of Civilization. Uh, have you played any Civilization? I have not. No. <laughs> well, there's a lot. That game's of, got buttons. <laughs> oh my god, so many buttons. Oh boy. Um, and in the in the PC version, you can hover over and they'll give the little like what it is. Oh, nice. But on the Switch version, you can't really hover. You can select, but like the minute you click it. It goes, yeah, uh, and I've had trouble because, like, I don't remember what all the icons are, and I'm like, I want oh. the hover text. Ah. <laughs> so I totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, the rollover is like a thing that from going from like the worlds of Flash to mobile, like, oh, the idea of like how we the whole UI paradigm, like now when you don't have rollover states, is so is so challenging, mm. right? You know, and like, how do you get that information on there? but not making it distracting or just in the way when you only need it sometimes. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I, how do you do stuff like that? Where you think of like the contextual information, things that uh, maybe aren't buried in menus, but mm -hmm. things that players may want to know in a certain instance, but you don't need to have on screen all the time. Uh, so again, going back to the golf game, this mm -hmm. is the most recent thing we put out. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What I'm be <laughs> it's like rattling around in your noggin. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have clubs that have abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, cool. And when you click on a club, you'll see the club with its stats. Yeah. And you can tap on the stats. They're colored. And you can stab, tap on the stats to get an explanation, a short little blurb that pops out. Mm -hmm. And there's also ability text underneath the card that gives you a short explanation of what the abilities do. But they also have like little uh, term, terms like, we'll do power shot. And if you want to know what power shot means, you tap on the word. Mm -hmm. oh. But we make sure that the words that have explanations are highlighted in yeah. certain colors. Okay. So the whole thing is all hypertext. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's cool. So everything is kind of color coded in a way yeah. that, you know, users can look at and be like, okay, maybe this has some something to it. So they're more inclined to tap on things. 
Right. Okay. It invites exploration. Yes. Right. Like uh, you don't need to explain it fully in the moment. Right. And almost the, that lack of a complete explanation tells the player there's more if you want it. Mm-hmm. Or you can just go in blind if you don't mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And discover for yourself. Yeah. 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 It, it gives agency to the player. Exactly. Yeah. It yeah. makes them motivated to find it out instead of you just telling them because yep. they need to know it. Yep. That's a really cool way of looking at it. It's like adding some game design in your UI. Mm-hmm. I guess. It should be some game design. <laughs> Steven, if there's anything listeners have learned from the show is that everything is everything. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We're all, all. <laughs> um, I, I like that you brought up the uh, colors um, because I think that's an interesting topic in UI too. Uh, um, is there a way, like, how do, you, how do you design your UI to emphasize things using colors and such? Um, so I think, I guess, regarding, in regards to text, um, you want text that is just, you know, things that you read to be sort of, muted colors and okay. anything you want to have functionality you want the you want that text to be a little bit more something that stands out ah uh, sure so what we do is for the regular text it's just kind of a muted blue and then the the words that are that are like powers or abilities mm-hmm. are highlighted in kind of these neon bright colors okay that really pop out yeah um and with buttons it's kind of the same philosophy you want something that pops out from sure. the rest of the UI. Sure. Something that tells the user you can tap on this. Okay. Something attention getting. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh okay, so yeah. You by muted do you, what do you what do you mean by muted? <laughs> uh, something that is um less saturated, perhaps. Is it less le- saturated? Oh, okay. Um something that is that kind of lives in the background. Like it, it works as a backdrop for something to live on top of. Ah, okay. I see. Well, yeah, like a background thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am not an artist. <laughs> so a lot of these terms get lost on me. That's why I Well, a lot of times you have, you know, black and white, white on black, simple text, right? Yeah. Maybe a little mm-hmm. bit of tinted here or there. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, when they start designing interfaces, when people are making their first websites in 1998, <laughs> I'm thinking, <laughs> is it was always really, I'm like, oh, I'm going to make all my text like bright green or something because that's cool. Yeah. And like, it is cool. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> but it, like you say, the, you described it perfectly. It's this sort of like backdrop that things can live on top of. Mm-hmm. And if everything is on top, then it's like it's distracting. Yeah. Right. What do you focus on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, making making things that you need to focus on important mm-hmm. and clear. That's yeah. good. And Judge, you probably have a perspective on this, but one of the things I've learned as a graphic designer is like you want like most of the things you make need to be kind of boring so the interesting things stand out against it. It can't all be exciting. Exactly. Right. Yep. Yep. And you know, one thing we tend to use in our games is things like. Sp- Particle effects, yeah, and animations. So, okay. You know, if if a button wants to be pushed, may, just animate it. Mm-hmm. You know, make it throb, pulse, right, right, whatnot. right. Makes it yeah. satisfying to press, like over yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems it seems very. It's like you're building something for a child, but I mean, essentially, that's kind of what it is. is uh-huh. You're tapping that inner child, right, 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 right. That's the most diplomatic way I've ever heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, how do you feel about diegetic uh, UI? Uh, oh. I th- I love it. Yeah, it's the best. It, <laughs> Can we? Ex- I think it only works for some games. Okay, like mm-hmm. it does not work for every game. Sure. So for like a strategy game, you know, I, I play XCOM. Oh, nice. Okay. And a game like XCOM, I just I don't think diegetic UI is going to be possible. Yeah. Because of yeah. All the different statistics you have to be you have to be looking at mm-hmm. all the different resources that you need to keep track of and the different units, all the, these different numbers you can't just right. put into the game. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. And so when we say diegetic UI, we mean like uh, UI elements that exist as part of the world right. mm-hmm. as opposed to just like living on top of the screen. Yeah, so right. Dead Space is a famous example where like your health bar is on uh, Isaac's back mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, I love diegetic UI because I'm not a huge fan of HUDs. Right. So, <laughs> so. Steven's talked about in the show before, like he like if he has the option, he'll turn the HUD off in any game that lets him. Wow. Yes. What, yes. what, what say you? I think that's <laughs> very brave of you. <laughs> <laughs> So I like to I like I like my numbers. Okay. I, I like to see what's happening with my characters. Yeah. Ah, okay. So, so but you fall I, in line with the Lane philosophy of things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, I'm not I'm not that much like Lane. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Nothing against Lane. I love you, buddy. <laughs> but uh, one of my favorite all time games is Metroid Prime. Oh, yeah. sure. And that game has fantastic diegetic UI. Yeah. I think it does a great job of just creating that immersion and making yeah. you feel like you're Samus and you have this visor that's telling you things 
Yeah, yeah. I- interesting about Metroid Prime is that like it's diegetic in a sense. Yeah. In that uh, uh, Samus is looking at a screen <laughs> just like you are. So, yeah, they're kind of cheating a little bit. But you, right. know, but you know what? That's great because the Dead Space example is interesting. Like, why would you have hit points on your back? Like, <laughs> very good point. Right? Yeah, why would you show somebody that? It's all smoke and mirrors eventually. So coming mm-hmm. up with a way to like make diegetic UI work in the world, make it make a lot of sense. Yeah. It, you see a ton of UI where you have like the detective modes, you know, where you hit, hit the thumbstick and everything turns x-ray. Yeah. Like there's so many third person games to do that. They will have then things that highlight in uh, on the screen and that's not diegetic, mm-hmm. even though it appears in the world space. It's it's just you for you, the player. But in Metroid Prime, it's like an AR screen. It it actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it is diegetic. Yes. Yeah. So, but I do agree though. It is kind of a case of having your cake and eating it too, because that does display a lot of information <laughs> yeah. on the screen as a result of that. Yeah. Which I I imagine if I were Samus, I wouldn't need to see all that stuff at all times. What I like about that too is that it lets you. I don't know how well Metroid Prime does this. It's been a while since I've played. Yeah. But when you do that, where the UI is something that the character is seeing, then it lets you design it for an audience of the character, mm-hmm. which has this extra little fun thing. As the player, you see something that is not intended for you. It's intended for the character. So you get to have some narrative fun with it yeah. a little bit if you can. Of course, there's only, you know, at a certain point, you just got to say hit points or whatever right? and <laughs> have to break the fourth wall a little. Uh-huh. Um, but it gives you options. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um, and I think that like, uh, uh, that like you, Metroid Prime is a good example of it, like all fitting together within the world of the right. game. Um, I know that a lot of games tend to use They'll like design their UI so that it fits within the world of the game, even though it's not like diegetic. So, like for example, uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild has I, all of the uh, UI is sty- it seems to be stylized around like the Sika slate that's in the game and stuff like that. Um, and so, like it feels like it's a part of the world, even though it's not technically a part of the world. Um, so that's an aspect that you could use too in, in games, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> yeah. I haven't played Breath of the Wild. Ah. Oh, so. Okay. It's a fun game. <laughs> well, I'm, Steven I'm, just assumes everybody has. <laughs> a lot of people played it. Well, I'm sorry. Um, no, it's fine. Um. Um. But well, is there an example of a game that you felt like the UI really fit fit with the world, even though it wasn't diegetic? Uh. Oh boy. Um. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I keep thinking back to Resident Evil Four. Oh. Ah. Okay. The suitcase. Oh sure. Oh I mean, yeah, it's it's a little rough, but <laughs> hasn't aged well. Yeah, but <laughs> I think it, if, I mean it still feels like Resident Evil when you open the interface and mm-hmm. you're you're moving around things and you're saving things. But it's a strange game. Yeah, like when you save, you're you're using a typewriter. Oh, that is I don't weird. know if you guys remember that or no. no. I, haven't played, Evil? I haven't played that game. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, but I've, I've I've seen clips of the of the. Isn't it kind of like the the um. The suitcase is kind of like Tetris, where you kind of have to like yeah, fit yep. all your yes. items it's in, like a mini game. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's something. That's like, that's really okay. cool. That's a good example, though. Yeah, yeah I think that makes sense. Uh, are the characters carrying brief? I have not played this game. Leon does not carry a briefcase in the game. Okay. In any of the cutscenes, you don't see him running around with a briefcase. Okay. Oh, but it's just like real world e, so it kind yeah, of yeah. And like when you get to like a safe point, which is a typewriter, yeah. In the world of the game, mm-hmm. like you walk up to a typewriter, okay, to save the game, and you just type on it. It's yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> that's <bizarre>. so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel right, but I mean, yeah. I guess well, there's like a fun. Uh, there's a thing where it's like it's not quite the same. It's like in a lot of Nintendo games when a NPC says like press A to whatever. Yeah, it like breaks it, but like it still feels of the world. It still mm-hmm. feels correct, and I think that that. D- designers shouldn't be afraid of like bending logic as long as it feels right. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's true. Even if it's like strange. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Very much so. So, I mean, the counter to that question that Stephen asked is are there any examples where you were just playing it and you're like, ugh, it's not doing it right? Uh, Now's the time to. <laughs> there are so many examples. Um, <laughs> so, back in my 20s, I used to play a lot of JRPGs. Mm-hmm. Ah. I think JRPGs are. A good example of bad UI. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like super hard to navigate. Uh, inventory management is a nightmare. Mm. Um, I think uh, a lot of the early Mass Effect games do not have good UI. I'm oh, with you there. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Their UI is really people bad. love the design, like the like the visual design of them, but they are hard to use. They yes. don't make a lot of sense. Very clunky. They they attempt to be diegetic sometimes, but don't make any sense <laughs> that they are. Like I'm 100 percent with you on that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, mean, I have to agree with you. <laughs> I don't know what I'm Thank talking you. about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love those games. I think they tell great stories, yeah. but they are, in terms of interface design, very clunky and just mm-hmm. not 
very unobtrusive or obtrusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Dark Souls is another example. Yeah. Again, a genre I love. Those games I absolutely adore. But right, it doesn't, it doesn't always ruin a game. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I'm I'm curious about Dark Souls specifically. Uh, what what is it that um turned you off from that UI? Well, I mean, I I tolerate it. You know, <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I don't stop playing the game because yeah. it has I bad mean, UI, as you do with every game. <laughs> but I think it could be better. Okay. I I think just the amount of things they show, okay. display, and what you have to do in order to get an explanation out of them. Yeah. Is like you have to take that extra effort to really get an understanding of their user interface. They don't make it very apparent of what their statistics mean and um, okay. like what does humanity mean? Right. They use yeah. really strange terminology and you kind of have to figure things out. Like sure. you can kind of figure out what dexterity means, mm-hmm. but like they have other things like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> There's that one stat, was it poise or something? Poise, yeah. Yeah, that like nobody understands what right, it means. Right. It's just a stat that you can have. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. That does have a lot of unnecessary information exactly, all over yeah. the place in yeah. that game. But, uh, the type of language you use, I think, matters. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, I was going to, I haven't played Dark Souls, but I've read about poise, that it's famously inscrutable. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I want to give the benefit of the doubt uh, to the designers to say that that's intentionally mm. inscrutable. Mm. But... And that frustration is by design, perhaps. Okay. Maybe maybe that's giving them too much credit, though. <laughs> right? Like, is there is there a place for something like that where you're making something that is not purely designed to make it easy to use, but designed for some other purpose that your game design is important? I mean, that like there aren't a lot of examples of that in games totally, but can you think of a reason why you might want to do something like that? Uh, probably just to lore. Yeah. So okay. like trying to really engage the player and like immerse the player in the world of the game you start labeling things um the way things so like you have npcs in the game Mm -hmm. they'll talk about something and then if you see that whatever they talk about in the ui itself i think that kind of creates this nice cohesive yeah um, storytelling Right. Yeah. So let the let other things like you don't learn it just from using it, yes. which is the that's the, the holy grail of UI design, right? <laughs> in lot, especially in mobile. Yeah. Um, but you 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 give other avenues to that information. Yeah. So you're not going to see that in mobile games because yeah. you know the audience difference. But like for mm-hmm. consoles, you're you're going to have that audience that really likes attention to detail. They yeah, they sure. love to explore. They love to learn. They want to be immersed in the world that they're playing in. And uh, Dark Souls kind of. Uh, they, they, you know, that's what they do. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but they, not, not to your satisfaction. <laughs> on enough. Okay. <laughs> sometimes they get it. Sometimes they don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, you brought up that there was a difference between the audience and uh, a console game versus a mobile game. Yeah. Um, is is and uh, how do you how do you approach like the UI design, uh, or how would you approach UI design on like different um, platforms in that way? Um. So for mobile games. Again, keep things really simple. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure everything you, like users can touch, like pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, have an explanation uh, for consoles. Okay. I would say maybe don't hold hands as much. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> I, I suppose <laughs> the audience on console oftentimes, if if they're on console, they'll have played games a lot of times yeah, in the past, and yeah. specifically console games in the right. past, so they might be familiar with. Yeah, past yeah. so maybe like emulating what. Other games have done, yeah. whereas the mobile games. I mean, I guess that's true in both cases. Okay. Well, mobile is interesting because, like, uh, and this is probably less true now. Like, standards have been developed or conventions, but like, you know, people know that the start button pauses a game. Yes. Right. But on mobile, it's a it's a brand new controller for each game, kind of. So, like, where's where do people generally put the pause button? Like, I don't know if that's a convention yet, but you need to be able to what however you design it. People need to feel as familiar with how to pause the game as they do if they're holding a controller. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and it depends on what kind of game it is. If yeah. it's a game that allows you to pause. Right, like right. Most games, most mobile games are, you know, they have this multiplayer functionality, which, you know, mm. you can't really pause the game. Yeah. But if it's a single player game, then, you know, you have the little kind of recording stop button. Yeah. But it's, it's so common to see. And it's usually somewhere in one of the corner spots. Yeah. Easily accessible by thumb or mm-hmm. whatever fingers. Depending on how the game is held, yeah. you know, uh, landscape or portrait, mm-hmm. uh, that also informs where things should be placed. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, do you do you do any like 
testing of like different size hands or something? We do not. Well, I mean, our QA department, you know, we have <laughs> lots of different people. <laughs> different people, yeah, have different hand sizes, but uh-huh. that, that doesn't, I mean, we, it's either a portrait or a landscape. And like, mm-hmm. you know, generally the thumb is kind of in the same spot for most people. That, <laughs> makes, that makes sense. Like, well, you describe all the different models of phone you have to test for and how many more you're not able to test for. Yeah. And that's definitely true of people as well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You only have access to so many thumbs. Right. <laughs> well, are there any, uh, I don't remember if there are any games that were um, from Concrete that worked in both portrait and landscape. I don't know that there are any. I don't, as far as I can, I can tell, I don't think so. I think yeah, it's I'll, either or. Okay. It's a design ask. choice too, right? Yeah. Like sometimes you want to adapt it for both, but very frequently you don't. You yeah. want to have a, mo- a canonical mode where you hold the thing. Right. And I mean, most days it's, Portrait. Yeah. A lot of games tend to, especially mobile games, I mean, they just do portrait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just one hand. Right, right. It's that extra barrier to just like yeah. holding it with two hands yeah. or sideways. It's just different, you know? Yeah. You can't quite fool people into thinking you're checking your email when you <laughs> 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 landscape. So. Right. Or if you're on the bus and you need to hold on to something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Use the other hand to mm-hmm. play again. I remember when Mario Run came out, there was a big conversation. Like Nintendo put all these interviews about like why we did vertical and it's like we already know like <laughs> it's like mobile developers have known that for a while but yeah. nintendo is like we know that's not what you're familiar with with mario but yeah. like you know we wanted to make it just so you could only do it with one button yeah. and we're like yeah we get it yeah like, we're I, pioneers I think, on that front <laughs> well, i think they're talking they're speaking to people who use nintendo products oh yeah sure, sure. Might sure. Make that, right, that message does need to reach people that's who has point. not reached yet absolutely yeah, that's a good point yeah. yeah so you've not i mean not just designing for these different audiences that have different considerations but adapting for the different audiences because you've you've ported games uh, UI from one platform to another mm-hmm. and had to make changes. Can you talk about that process? Like, what are the sort of core ideas that re- remain and what things do you have to be flexible on when you go from, say, PC to console or something like that? There's not much difference yeah. between these devices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, tutorial-wise, you may have to display... I mean, you'll have to display a different controller. Right. And, um, you know, the Switch has a huge emphasis on motion controls. Mm-hmm, and right. that's something they wanted to emphasize for this game. Like Nintendo wanted the motion controls right. in our fishing game. Mm-hmm. And so we had to kind of create a few more additional images yeah. um, for the tutorial in regards to that. Mm-hmm. But it really wasn't that big of a deal. Okay. okay. Was, it, was it the reason it not a big deal? Because when you were making the Xbox PlayStation versions, you knew the Switch version was coming down the pike? Or because it really just wasn't that much work? Uh, well, we had an inkling. Okay. Of, of you know possibly porting it over to mm-hmm. Switch, uh, our publisher was kind of giving us clues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and you know we already have he, we had a Switch at, at our offices and mm-hmm. we played around with it and we were familiar with the platform. Right. So, right. Like the controllers aren't that. I mean, you have your I forget what the, <laughs> the controller the Joy Con yeah. and then you have the other thing. Yeah. Pro the stand, controller. The, Pro uh-huh. controller. <laughs> yeah, so the pro controller is very similar to any other controller. Right, right. Sure, right. yeah. So, yeah, it's a weird thing how it's like, it's exactly the same, but not exactly the same. Mm. Yeah, just like, enough. Yeah, and it's sort of hard to, sometimes it's just that slight differences are a little bit distracting. Like, yeah. yeah. I know that like each console though uh, has their own specifications on what like things you can have and can't have on the UI. Like, uh, I don't guess I don't really remember any specifics, but like I'm sure that like, for example, on Nintendo, it's HD Rumble, so they might ask you to use HD Rumble instead of uh, saying vibration as you would in like PC or Xbox. So there might be some speci- specifications in relation to that. Uh, well, thinking about like back to about like words and terminology, yeah. like is that something you deal with a lot when you design UI? Is to like is to work with the the, the language uh, of the text for you know menu options stuff like that? Because like Stephen's saying, there are there are uh, uh, stakeholders who have a say in what these things are going to be, right? Oh, I think in re- that regard, I think Nintendo was a lot more scrutinizing yeah, than okay. either Microsoft or Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, they were very strict about what the buttons would say and what the buttons are called. Yeah, mm. uh, I think there were a few instances in the tutorial where you might have said something that Nintendo wanted changed mm-hmm. because we labeled it wrong. Right, uh, and they right. were very like they got back to us really quick. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. That might be one of the first yeah. things they check then. Yeah. Is that kind yeah. of stuff. Right. I will okay. that actually sounds kind of familiar. So I, I went to a Nintendo developer workshop last uh, fall and we had this uh, we had a lunch and all the people were all mingling and hanging out. Yeah. And we we're talking to a bunch of people from the lot check teams at Nintendo who check for these compliances. Mm-hmm. And some people at the table were like, you know, what are the common things I need to check for? Big mistakes. And everyone's just like, terminology. <laughs> <laughs> like, look at that glossary, 
three times. You think you've got it, but you don't got it. And we, we correct it so often and we're sick of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, that's a good thing. That's a yeah. good sign because Nintendo cares. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, they're absolutely. so on top of it. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Um, what about uh, designing UI for accessibility sake? So like maybe people with colorblindness or people who are hard of hearing or uh, vision impaired or something like that. Um, how do you how do you go about designing UI for accessibility issues? Uh, well, you know, I have not actually developed UI for you know people with uh, disabilities. Okay, um, that's going to be a tricky one. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I can't even imagine. Well, it's about allocating resources, right? And, oh, yeah. We've talked about it on the show before that you need to make the effort, but like mm-hmm. right. you, you know, you're in the trenches doing the work. It's not always your decision. Yeah, yeah. but maybe maybe you haven't thought about it as much as you you think you should have. Yeah, yeah. Somebody who has is colorblind. That's just like one aspect of the UI that's kind of removed. Mm-hmm. Then you just have to emphasize other aspects of that UI. Sure, mm. right. This right. user could understand. Yeah, right. Like, do you hope to because there's that redundancy that you were talking about earlier? The sort of icons and text yep. and colors, and so uh, uh, hopefully, or at least you know, if if you're not able to make specific uh, modes or concessions to for colorblindness, you can at least hope that you have enough redundancy mm-hmm. in your, to accommodate people without too much difficulty. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I imagine like having the icons and such like that would be very helpful for somebody who you know, is dyslexic and has a hard time reading the words and such mm-hmm. that, yeah, that would be valuable for people like that. So I think you've done some of the thought already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've done more than you think you have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel a little better now. <laughs> Well, I guess uh, we'll just say here at the table, like maybe uh, see if you can get uh, it talked around about a little bit more at work. I think we all yeah. we all think about this less than we wish we did. Mm. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. Like nobody is, you know, free of guilt. Right. At my work, we put on the the uh, you know text screen to text. We have a website uh, based product and yeah oof woof no oh <laughs> oh boy <laughs> my work has not thought about it at all yeah. so <laughs> cool uh, have you have you seen persona 5 the game i have have you played it i have not okay that's but fine. i love the way it looks yeah. okay i was gonna ask because i i <laughs> i like the way it looks but everything looked. I don't know what what anything is yeah in i haven't played the game either so to be fair you know but so like Again, I'm an artist, yeah. so I'm attracted to like visually just mm-hmm. things that pop out and that are just visually striking. And right. Persona hits all those. Sure, but sure. from a practical sense, I can definitely see where you're coming from. And yeah, like I agree with you. It's it, it's it's tough, right? Well, when it's that, a lot. Yeah, when that game came <laughs> out, everybody was going, "Oh, this our UI is so amazing." And I was like, "It looks." It looks fine, I guess. <laughs> I wasn't that impressed. You know, I feel sort of, I almost have the opposite opinion of yours. Like, I was really, I love that it was this expressive and it was off the grid and it like, it, yeah. it, it had emotion in its uh, design mm-hmm. that was not, it was not abstract, but also not motivated necessarily. Yeah. And so, um, but at the same time, the rest of the game just looked like any other JRPG. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking like, it, it, all those UI screens are like, seem to paper over the fact that it, other than that it's not actually that interesting or uniquely designed I mean yeah. haters come at me but like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that, that maybe it's not the complete package in that case but I, I mean I had a different reaction than you did that might have been why I felt that way too yeah I was like, it's a JRPG and also the UI is cool looking I guess <laughs> well I think it could be that you know Japan in terms of their development like they're a little bit behind mm-hmm. I think in terms of graphics technology yeah and mm-hmm. that maybe with the UI they're trying to kind of make up for that mm-hmm. you know they're, they're trying to embellish the UI to kind of cover up the not so you know maybe last in <laughs> sure. graphics sure sure yeah okay that's I mean that's a good point I just wanted to get your opinion on it because I was curious. About it. I think it looks great. Okay, <laughs> I love it. Everyone who does the UI has to have their opinion about this on record somewhere. <laughs> it's on our show now. <laughs> Let everyone else know with that. It also has great music. Oh yeah, I mean, I, actually, all of my experience with Persona is just due to Super Smash Brothers because Joker's oh, in Smash now. <laughs> okay, um, but yeah, I do like the soundtracks in in the uh, from in Smash from that game. So yep, it's cool. Yep. <laughs> What are some of your favorite UI designs? Oh, uh, um, uh, I never played the division, but I watched my boyfriend play it, and I loved the UI in that. Okay. Uh, it was kind of diegetic. That's the word that we mm-hmm. said. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
where it, like it will pop up, uh, but it is so clear and clean and has like it's got the highlighted things that you can click, but also right. you can go deeper into it and like look at all the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I know Mark hates this, but there's in in another aesthetic thing I like in games is when numbers fly uh, off. <laughs> disagree. <laughs> Down with numbers. <laughs> when numbers fly off enemies when you shoot them. I love that. I mean, it's, oh, okay. it's, it's like your version of gore. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like blood, but I do mm. like numbers. The bigger the numbers, the better. <laughs> the reason I don't like that is, one, I think it's gross looking. But that, that's not even the main reason I don't like it is because it doesn't really deliver information. It does because the more numbers are happening, the better you're doing it's like look at all those threes like how much damage did i do Three. some no, some number of three a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i think it makes sense for some job i think in the division it makes sense specifically because like um, i don't know if it happened in that one i was just sorry that was two different ideas <laughs> so don't quote me on that. oh i thought the division had numbers maybe it does i don't remember well at any rate <laughs> don't um, come after me gamers <laughs> Oh, okay. Monster Hunter has numbers. I don't uh -huh. think the older ones did, but the newest one does. Yeah. And so it helped it's helpful for me specifically just because I look at the colors between the, the, the differences of numbers. Right. Mm -hmm. If like I hit if I'm hitting a weak spot, then the numbers are orange. If I'm not hitting a weak spot, yep. then I think the numbers are white. And so Do they like, have to be numbers? I mean, I, I, they could be see, dots. You're, you're getting information. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. It just comes in a, like a form of this extra useless information that's not decipherable. It's a meme. <laughs> <laughs> I, and personally, I find it satisfying when like a big number pops out of a thing. Yeah. I don't know. Like if I'm normally dealing like threes and twos and whatever, but then I deal 150, I'm like, dang, it's a lot of numbers. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's how Right. Because the numbers are also larger. It, like the actual graphic is larger yeah. and the numbers get larger mm -hmm. generally. If you do like a critical hit or something. Yeah. yeah. So again, right. this is the redundancy we were talking about before, but in fact, the redundancies are where all the information lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Um, but yeah, if they were just like circles, like I don't think people would like that. <laughs> yeah. Like part of the thing about numbers is that it takes up a lot of space, but actually doesn't block a lot of your view. Mm -hmm. So like it actually has a utility in that sense. It's just fake. It's like, <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's a little bit immersion breaking as well. Yeah, it's yeah, true. yeah, yeah. <laughs> very true. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I would be satisfied if big dots popped out of a monster instead of right. a giant one fifty. <laughs> <laughs> what if they were like pluses and minuses? Like, oh. what if they were other? What if they other symbols that represented things? You just have a thing against numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, <laughs> I just I, I I really want things to to have purpose and motivation. Sure, I think that that is. The, uh, people just like those because it means the thing that they already know that they like that it means yeah. I guess it does, it, it's never justified itself to me okay I don't know fair enough I, you know, I feel like I'm very not totally uh, I don't have a lot of company in this, in this well you're making good points yeah. I think you're making good points <laughs> even though you haven't fully sold us against numbers uh -huh. you're making good points right um, I think so Jeev where do you land <laughs> yeah oh boy <laughs> <laughs> So I think it comes down to what kind of game I'm playing. Yeah. So like an RPG or a tactical strategy game, numbers mm -hmm. are great. Yeah. If okay. it's like an action game, I'd prefer not. Yeah. <laughs> I would yeah actually, that's a good point. So like, that's where it comes from is the RPGs where you see the, the 30 sort yeah. of fade up off the character and fade away. Instead, you see like tons and tons and tons of ones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's the same idea, right? It's the, That's that convention. Yeah. But I think like in action games, I think they suffer a little bit. Like I think they could... So with action games, the strength of action games is animations. Mm -hmm. Like you're, yeah. you're reading animations. And yeah. if you're doing lots of damage, reflect that in the animation. You know, like with the enemy getting hit, just have the enemy stagger more than they do with a, regu than with a regular hit. Right. Yeah. Um, that does help a lot with that. I think also there's a little bit lost when you're using numbers in an action game. Specifically, like, like for example, in fighting games, uh, they don't. I guess they don't display the numbers in a regular fight, but they'll have them in the training mode so you know exactly how much damage you can well, do. Right, right. Um, but like, if you were to display the numbers in in an, in the actual fight, um, there's there's something about like the health, the amount of health you have being obscured so that like you can't make the exact calculation on whether or not this jab will kill you or not. Mm -hmm. um, and there's like there's a thrill in like taking risks despite the fact that this jab might kill you mm -hmm. um and so like if you had numbers then you could calculate that in your head and a lot of that some of that thrill would get lost yeah so i think that like there would be a problem there i mean that all sounds very technical but i think the point <laughs> yeah, that martha fair. is making is that number numbers is fun 
right? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess that, that's the only argument I will entertain is that they're fun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm asking you to sell me on this idea. The numbers are my power fantasy from last episode. Yeah. So there. <laughs> okay. Numbers is fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think in uh, for a game that is, is my favorite UI, I would say Skyrim because I can mod it so there is no UI. <laughs> right. You, you, just, you, want, you don't want nothing. Yeah. Well, I want it to be contextual. So like if I take damage, then I want to know how much health I have. But if I have full health, I don't need to know how much health I have. Yeah. So I have it hide unless I have taken damage or uh-huh. something. So that's why I like Skyrim's UI. You like Skyrim's UI because you can turn it off. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, specifically, I have to mod it to do that. I don't think you could actually do that in the game. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a dang shame. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like, when I think about like what my favorite ones are, I tend to think more aesthetically because mm-hmm. I tend to, well, I tend to be incredibly picky for one, which is not a, not a good thing. But, um, but also games that have bad UI from a design perspective, I end up getting over. Like uh-huh. I, I deal with it and then yeah. I kind of forget that's the problem. Cause like yeah. enough of the rest of the game is great. And like, I, I don't mean to dismi- diminish the importance of, especially on first impressions. Yeah. Um, but I think about like design aesthetic and about like how information is laid out if not necessarily how it's organized or how it, how you interact with it. Think about like No Man's Sky, just an incredible looking game and it's UI and it like the fonts it chooses. All of it is about sparseness, mm-hmm. which is really lays into the theme of the game, at least until its most recent multiplayer update where it's just an MMO now. But like the idea that you're alone in this vast universe and it's endless and there's all this space mm. is really played out in the very sort of thin lined white uh, uh, UI elements and I, I always thought that was really really good now my memory of using it uh, <laughs> not as strong um, but you know I, I got through it right yeah um, but like Mass Effect is like that where it looks of the world mm, but it's yep. just it's the gar- it's garbage to use <laughs> it's mainly just there's so many things on the screen at any given point yeah. that it's hard to know what things to focus on even in the menus there's like 50 different objects and it's unclear what what does what i think this is a triple a AAA problem where yeah, yeah. you have uh, departments focused on their areas um i think about like a game like grand theft auto where like but oh my bu- god buttons mean <laughs> that different ui things. is so terrible <laughs> which menu is this thing in i don't know it's one of the four <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, might be why no man's sky is a little better than that because it was a little bit a much smaller team sure yeah um even as big of an experience as it ended up being yeah Right, yeah. Uh, being able to coordinate giant teams um, in order to you know develop all those things is, is a monumental task. Yeah, and even just to get them to finish the game is hard enough. <laughs> but getting them to finish a game and coordinate all of the aspects yeah. of it is difficult. Well, Jadeev, you were talking about like uh, you know disputes between you know between like stakeholders and like mm. a client asked for this. Yeah, like how much of the how much of your work is navigating, uh, like every making sure everybody's happy versus pushing a vision. That's either yours or a vision that that you are working towards that maybe came from somebody else. Um, well, you know, I have a boss, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, oftentimes the stakeholders, you know, that the they're the publishers, they're yeah. paying us to make a game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, in right, the their end, opinion matters, right? Exactly, and oftentimes that ends up being what they want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we find ways to kind of snake our ideas in mm-hmm. and kind of. Do kind of a amalgamation of yeah. what they want and what what we want, so we kind of tread this line that you know doesn't cross anybody, right? And kind of sort of makes everybody happy. Maybe not happy, but content. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it it just takes work, right? Yes, yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the when we look at bad UI. I think that's um, it may not be fair. It probably it's probably not fair, but it looks like the product of of not enough work mm. right and so i think that's the worry is like when you get it when it's when it's on its feet and it's working fine for you in your game like your job isn't done <laughs> right yeah um it, it, just like anything else testing iteration all of that stuff is required right yeah. uh, communication yeah like just exactly. listening to feedback um taking into account what feedback is relevant and what isn't and what we can do to alleviate those issues mm-hmm um, that's all important. That's part of the process of game yeah. design. Iterating. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's a great note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Jajeev, uh, there may be one or two listeners who uh, haven't heard of your work yet. Where can they find you on the internet? Uh, well, you guys can find me on ArtStation. I have my okay. portfolio up there. Oh, cool. Uh, 
And you can also find me on Instagram. Well, that's where I post my daily daily arts and whatnot. Oh, neat! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's cool. Well, we'll we'll link it in the show notes so people can go check it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Jaji, for joining us. Um, We'll have you back sometime to complain more about your coworkers. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And maybe talk more about art in general because, like, I'm interested to hear more about your like aesthetic and how you do that. I would love to do that. All right. Well, that's our show. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or a nice like us. We need to know you're out there. So leave a review and tell all your friends to. Jeeve, will you leave a review and tell all your friends to? I will. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we also want to hear directly from you. So follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club. You can email us also, contact at nicegames.club. Lastly, you can find out more about the show, your nice hosts, our nice guests, as well as get all the links and show notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. And so until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.